Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show, where we break down the complex worlds of health, fitness, family, business, and relationships with the world's leading experts. I'm your host, Gabby Reese, and I'm here to simplify these topics and give you practical takeaways that you can start using today. We all know that living a healthy, balanced life isn't always easy. Let's try working on managing life a little better and have some fun along the way. Because after all, life is just one big experiment and we're all doing our best. Whatever's happening in your life, whatever turbulence is happening, when it's time to do the show, you do the show and that's your thing that you do and you do it as it's a joyful place. You actually get something out of it. It helps you escape the turbulence. It helps you have a good time. And, and it's also your duty to the people that have been waiting for six months for you to come. That's, you know, so all that stuff, all that mess from your life really doesn't count. You still have to do your job. You still have to perform. The theme of it was that thing of we're all living from the same brochure. Really, I just want them to feel like they're not alone. I don't want to tell them how to live or my way is the way or any of that. You know, I like to pontificate and, and, and say that my way really is the right way, yeah, but I'm not trying, figure that I'm out. trying to disguise they'll it. Have to that out. <laughs> yeah. Hi everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is stand-up comedian, author, and radio host, Mr. Tom Papa. Tom has been on the show before and it was really because I saw his stand-up and I thought, I really want to talk to him. Because most of us think comedy has to come from this sort of dark or cynical or sad place. And Tom is an incredible example of somebody who is able to observe just some of the silliness of life and the things that we all share. And he has a new book out. This is his third book and it's called, We Are All In This Together, So Make Some Room. It's just a lot of beautiful tidbits, not only in this conversation, but in this book. And I think at the end of the day, what Tom's trying to remind all of us is the craziness is not just in our own head and in our own family and in our own lives, that pretty much it's all the same for all of us. And like as somebody who his youngest daughter's about to graduate, he's ready to be an empty nester. He was like, listen, you've got couples there with their graduating and their babies. And the brochure says that some couples are gonna travel and do something exciting. Some couples aren't gonna know how to talk anymore and they're gonna break up. And you know, some couples are gonna reinvent themselves or whatever. But just for us to be reminded, not only that we're not alone, but no matter where we are in life, even if we're in our early 20s or teens, it's like, not only do we need to be going through this, but that everyone has a version of that. He shares uh, his his sort of love with Peloton. I think he's at 200 weeks in a, in a row. Why he will not give up bread. He did bring me a beautiful loaf on his way here. And how he's got the opportunity to keep getting better and better at his craft. And a craft that he does four days a week on What a Joke with Papa and Fortune. How does he prepare for that show, the radio show? He goes out and he does his stand-up, you know, cities week after week. And then this is his third book. He shares his process, his hopes for the future, and just to really support all of us, not only in the laughter, but that life is serious and serious things are happening, but that there's so much humor and beauty in the craziness. I have a deep just love for Tom Papa and what he's doing and what he puts into the world. And that's the other thing is how do you trust yourself that much to do it your way, no matter what you're doing in life? Hope you enjoy.
Let's talk about the last time. Yes. I've seen you since. One yes. time I was really, had the good fortune of seeing you, but the you were my last in person yeah. before COVID. Yeah. I remember driving down here and we had a great time. We sauntered, we spoke, yep. but we knew <laughs> this is probably the last time we're going to do anything for a while. Yeah. And it was pretty accurate. <laughs> that was it. Justin asked me, he's like, well, how did you meet Tom? Because I meet a lot of different people yeah. in different areas. And I go, well, I, I stalked him. I reached out and I, I because I saw one of your specials. Right. I think you're doing great. Right. And I was like, I want to talk to him. Yeah. Were you like, that's weird? No, not at all. Actually, I was saying today for my radio co-host, Fortune Feimster, I was like, I'm, I'm going to see Gabby Reese today. And she's like, how are you guys friends? <laughs> I was like, we're just longtime friends. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even really remember. Yeah, but I love seeing you. And it was when I was doing, because when it, I left, I remember leaving and thinking, and we were like, you just come by, you can come to, you know, just stop by any time. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to take you up on it. I can't wait. And here we are probably two and a half years later. Yeah. Finally, so bizarre. This is your drive-by. So bizarre. You just mentioned that you do a podcast with Fortune. So yeah. let's let's talk about all your gigs. Okay. So how does that work when you tape with her? Do you guys, how often do you tape? Like how does, what's the rhythm of that? Fortune and I do uh, What a Joke uh, with Papa and Fortune. And that's on Sirius XM on the Netflix channel. Netflix is a joke. And that we do Monday through Thursday, two hours each day. And it's great. We're not going on, we actually we're finishing th our third year, doing it for three years. And how do you, I mean, that's a lot of content. It's a lot of content. I mean, I know you're both very creative and funny people, but yeah. how does that, how does that, I guess, how's that an expression versus you you know you okay you've got this book coming out and you have stand up what yeah. skill set do you use that's different doing that show it's a little bit more there's a little more research in it it's basically a place for comedians right, right? for mostly comedy people to come and feel like oh this is a good when they're doing their press this is a place where you want to be because it's the two of us and so it takes a little research in that I always want to respect the comedians. So I really want to make sure I've watched their special or read their book or whatever they're talking about. I want to make sure I'm up on it because I know how important that is when you as a comedian, if you come into a, a place and especially your peers, if they don't, if they're not mm -hmm. up on your stuff, it's just disrespectful. So I got to do a lot of the uh, work before, like to kind of keep going. But as far as the expression, at its best, it's just an expression of us hanging out and being quick and just having fun with each other. Yeah. That's when it's at its at its best. And how know? did you and Fortune hook up? Um, I got offered the show from Netflix, and they asked, you know, who would you want to do it with? And, you know, somebody different from yourself kind of a thing. And... I just thought of Fortune. I didn't really know her all that well, but I was on a flight with her and then I ran into her in a club and she just really just like brightened my day. Like I, and I knew I could be funny with her. And I just called her and I said, you know, we have this opportunity and it might be good. It's Netflix. It could be a fun thing to do. And 
and she jumped on it, you know, and she, she's not only super funny, but she really works hard. Mm -hmm. So for her to like fold in a radio show, like a lot of people may not have the uh, stamina to do it, but uh, she jumped on it. And yeah, we're three years later. Yeah. Cause it's a different kind of discipline. I mean, yeah. Because sometimes you just, you know, you don't have something to talk about every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like, okay, what are we going to say today? And sometimes you're just in a mood to not talk at all, you know, just as a person. Some days you wake up and you're just want to have your coffee and be alone. Uh, but I, we just have to, I just constantly have to remind myself, we're really funny. It's, we'll just, just don't overthink it. Just go into it. And before you know it, something's taking us off into the, into the weeds. How did you know, like, there's even certain people that, you know, you see and you go, oh, I, I feel like I would jibe with them. How did yeah. you know that fortune you're like, oh, I can be funny with her. Yeah. That's kind of a comedic instinct. Like you, I know I'm funny, but there are certain people I get with and I'm not funny. What do you, what, you have to break that down for layman. Other comedians understand probably exactly what you mean, but. Yeah, like I know I'm funny and I can say funny things and that's kind of how I operate. But then you get around other, a certain person and it could be a comedian or not a comedian. And all of a sudden you don't have, I don't have it. I'm just like, I find myself like boring and hmm. Yeah. Is it because they're it's busy? It's an energy thing. Is it because there's no room for you to be funny and no. they're bouncing all over the place? Uh-uh. It's just an it's just an purely an energy thing. Mm. Just you know, all of a sudden you're just in a you're just in a under an X-ray blanket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just ooh, and you can't explain it. And I know that there's even there's a couple of people in my life, and I know every time I get around them, I'm going to be a little dull because there's no. They don't hit the ball back. Yeah, we're just not. Yeah. And I don't mean like as doing bits or anything. I mean, yeah. just small, subtle. It's not that you can't even be funny. It's like they actually suck the funny out of you. <laughs> Would any of those people be your daughters? No, just kidding. <laughs> no, they suck the life out of you sometimes, but not the funny. <laughs> 30 years pretty much of performing. June 12th. It'll. You have the date? June 12th, 1993. Did, did you so, do an open mic or something? Uh, yeah. Where? In New York. Brave. Yeah, it was, uh, I was in New Jersey, living in New Jersey. And uh, I saw a thing in the Village Voice. If I brought a couple friends, I could go do it. And I just went to the New York Comedy Club, which was in a different location than it is now. Uh, it was on top of a cowboy bar. And <laughs> what do you mean? Like a sh straight like cowboy a, bar or yeah, like a straight cowboy Western oh, okay. kind of line dancing kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't spend much time <laughs> okay. in it. I just <laughs> scurried up the stairs and there was my four friends in the audience and maybe two other people. And this guy, Gary was on stage hosting and a young Greg Giraldo was waiting to go on. And I came over and, hung out with him and we hit it off. And then I went up and did my first spot. So that was June 12th, 1993, which means June 12th, yeah. it'll be 30 years of being in standup. Is it, I know you, you talked about when you're, do I look that old? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Thank you. You could have started when you were 15. True. You know, 
You you talk about when you're a kid, like you knew you were funny. Yeah. And it was probably a a, a tool. You know, you hear a lot of kids, yeah. people use it differently. Like, oh, my mother smiled when I was funny. Yeah. Or like dad wasn't a raging alcoholic when I was funny. Like you hear <laughs> yeah. it all, right? Like yeah. whatever Stop the reasons the are. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> if I knew dad was laughing, he wasn't. But you, you're, I find you so unique in that you, um, you, there's like a joy in your comedy. Yeah. And in you, and a lot of times people equate sort of either neuroses or some kind of angst with comedy. Um, But you've managed to find the way to be funny from a pretty, unless, is this an act? Are you really crying inside or? No, (laughs) really. (laughs) He's the sad clown. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't, um, I don't really, my nature is to be pretty positive. Yeah. And, and upbeat and the reason as a kid when I discovered that a guy was funny and it was being funny, which was so early, you know, why I wasn't doing that to chase demons. I was trying to make people laugh. I literally was just trying to make them happy and get it from, you know, and I'm sure that I had some stuff internally going on, whatever, but it really was that it was, this is fun. We don't, we're making each other laugh because it's not school because it's not our parents. It's, you know, or making my parents laugh. And uh, yeah. And I just, and then you go through these different stages when you're, when I was performing it, it still had this thing of trying to win people over and make them happy. That was kind of the intent, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but you kind of, I kind of resisted it or not resisted it, but, it wasn't my main objective. It was like, you know, I just want to be as funny as I can and whatever. But now at this stage, I realize, no, that is the main objective still. It is to make people happy and be joyous and and all of that. So I think my comedy, why it's the main thing of what you were describing, there's no, there's not a lot of cynicism in it. Yeah. There's definitely hope. And I, I don't... Uh, I don't really tolerate a lack of hope <laughs> in people. So it was definitely not going to be in my act. I think as an out, like as somebody who, you know, I said, I reached out to you after I saw one of your specials is that feels that's really a clear. Yeah. But it also, there's, a, there's like a couple dynamics that I find really interesting in it. That one that you, you're the reminder that we can do a job and we can do it our way. Mm-hmm. Because you work with all different kinds of comedians. Yeah. You know, they're racy, oh, yeah. they're harsh, they're yeah. it's all different. But it's like you trust yourself. Yeah. Where do you I mean, how do you get that from? Where do you where does that come from? Like when you're writing it and you you go, no, this is funny and I trust myself. Because it is pretty different. Yeah. But I think the hardest, hardest thing, and you constantly have to re-educate yourself is who you are and what you're doing is, I mean, that's such a, it's such a bear. You have to constantly remind yourself in the beginning, like the, in the very beginning, you don't know who you are. You're just trying to be funny and you're throwing jokes out and you haven't lived a lot of life and you're just, you know, here's my girlfriend and here's something about flip-flops or he's like, you just don't know. And it, it takes a while. And then once you start, once, uh, and it probably is in, in a lot of different art forms. Once you kind of 
shut out everything else but yourself and really just live and do for you. And, you, you know, you're not distracted by who's on before you or what other popular people, successful people have going on. If you just stick to your thing, uh, you start to emerge. You start to become yourself, which is it's, it's such a small little thing we tell our kids all the time. Just be yourself. And it's very difficult because you're always changing. And even now, 30 years in, I'm like still having debates. Like, is this joke? This joke seems a little dirty. Is that really me? You know, like you're still kind of analyzing it. But I think truly like there, you start to get your voice and you start to figure out who you are. And it's really, it's just that you kind of have to have blinders, blinders on. But that's one of the hardest things in life to do is right? not get pulled. Like that's why I, I, when I see you do it and then you're doing it on stage, right? Yeah. It's not like, Hey, find your voice and know what you like. Yeah, You're building jokes and, and contributing your art as an extension of who you are and to not be, of course you're going to be inspired and influenced in different ways by yeah. things around you could yeah. be your life. But I think it's one of the hardest things to do. So difficult because it's, you know, we're all children. You're still like the kid at school. You want to fit in and why do the people like that person? And mm -hmm. what are they going to say? And why isn't this happening for me? And, you know, there's that never, ever, ever goes away. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the stand-up and the and the books is a constant like funneling and expression of that and kind of mining. And I'm fortunate enough to have a craft that kind of deals with that with that. It deals mm -hmm. with those questions. And you're never really going to achieve it. You're never going to wrestle it down and be like, oh, this is me. Because then you get up and get a glass of water and there's a different you at the sink. <laughs> but so, thank God though. Yeah. You know, Laird and I were talking, he's like, I think our jobs forever are to keep learning. Yeah. And hopefully that would mean that then new ideas, okay, we change just a little bit mm -hmm. here and there. So the, your latest book, tell me, first of all, uh, was this, was this like, okay, COVID generated? Cause you, at first you guys were not being able really to do stand up. Yeah. Were you doing any of the, the, the digital stand up? I did do some of you it. You dig it? You got pulled into that too? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> How was that? Because you just had to do it. Like it's a, it, you just you had mean just to. like as an exercise? Yeah. When you don't do it, when you're not doing stand up and you are a stand up, it's very strange territory. You, you start to calcify. <laughs> it's, it's a very strange thing. The timing, the muscle, or just. The expression, the who am I? Like, you know, you hang on to this thing. It's like you are your work in a way. And. Now you're not doing it. So what am I doing? Mm -hmm. uh, so it really was just, well, where can we do it? And I was really admired the comedy community because they were on rooftops. They were in graveyards. They were on the back of trucks. They were on line. They were Zooming. They were doing cameos. They were like any way that they could do it. They were doing it in mass. Like they couldn't be stopped. These little... <laughs> comedy show business rats <laughs> just showing up and doing their thing. So I did, a, I did some of the zoom stuff, you know, and it's definitely not satisfying, but it was better than nothing at the time. But the book was, this is my third book. I'd already been 
writing it, you know, I'm always writing. So it was always kind of moving into, into the next one, but then COVID hit and then, uh, it kind of affected the process a little bit because the times were so dark and weird and stuff. And it started to kind of affect some of the essays and then, but it went on so long that uh, I was able to kind of go back and look at it and kind of shed the COVID (laughs) mood of it off of the book in the beginning. You know, Mm -hmm. like I see a lot of albums that have come out and stuff that like everyone was in a mood, you know, (laughs) there's some real COVID stuff. And my book, like when, after I got through the first draft and I kind of went back and was like, all right, yeah, there's some, there's some lingering, you know, days when we were (laughs) just in the house for a month (laughs) drinking scotch. (laughs) Seriously. So we're all in this together though. Feels there was something about that title where I thought, I feel like so many people in different genres of communication are are all trying to keep reinforcing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's people in the big, big media that's like, you all hate each other. Yeah. And I feel like everyone else is sort of <laughs> saying like, hey guys, we actually all really yeah. don't. And right. so I thought the title really was perfect. Yeah. It's not a, you know, it's, we're all in this together, so make some room. Yeah. And, you know, that's talking to someone that's reluctant about it. You know, like, we're all in this together. So just just make a little room. Just yeah. make some room. Just get over. Just let, let your sister sit. You yeah. know what I think? Like, it's that kind of an expression. Yeah. Uh, and it's not really that it's, you know, come on, guys. Everything's great. And we all love each other. It's we can all learn from each other. Where There's so many. You're not the first person to go through life. Mm-hmm. It's all been done. And as unique as we think we are and as special as we all are, uh, just one walk through CVS and you realize, oh, the, anything I can experience, not only have other people gone through it, yeah. they've also made products to deal <laughs> with all of the weird things that are going to happen to you. And that's true with everything, with dating, with marriage, with eating, with death, with all of it. It's all been done. So just kind of keep your eyes open and you can kind of learn from the people that kind of came before you, whether you like them or not. Right. You, you, there's actually, uh, there's a chapter where you say, uh, there are the, these are the days that must happen to you. Yeah. And I thought that that's true. Like sometimes you're going through something and I always think, oh, maybe this is, I can get this one over with. Right. You know, like that lesson, like you <laughs> yeah. go, okay, maybe, okay, I can just get this one over with. Yeah. How do you organize <laughs> the essays? Because they all, they sort of, they, they fit, they roll together, but they live separately. Yeah. Within each essay or chapter. Yeah. How do you, how do you even know how to do that? It's kind of a fun process. Like at that part of organizing it is really fun because it's all been kind of, shaped in a way and then you start to see them with a little more clarity and it's like okay so what's the funniest what's going to get this message across Mm. and then how does that roll into it and then you know i don't want two with my grandmother in it right next to each other so i'll space those out you know like all that kind of a thing like Mm. what is like kind of it's like a set list you know like for a concert it's like trying to see what the flow is going to be and and then you got to figure well it's a book, so people probably kind of 
space out around here <laughs> and then we'll finish big over here <laughs> like that kind of thing yeah it's it's really just rhythm rhythm and kind of trying not to be too repetitive in a way how i mean so these different types of using your skill okay books stand up and even your your show mm-hmm. your radio show that those are three different ways of preparing Clearly, like doing a stand-up special. Mm-hmm. I always hear stories about, you know, you guys go out and you work on material yeah. for your special. What's that like when you're starting right from scratch? You don't really, you have a few new bits that you're mm-hmm. going to try to play with. And um, how do you have the, I mean, you have the courage in a way to go out and be like, okay, starting from the bottom again yeah, and building that. Do you, are you, does it make you nervous if you think, oh, I'm not going to maybe be that funny today? Like, yeah. How do you get that? Whenever you have blank, if you have a blank page ahead of you for anything, it's pretty daunting, right? Like, even if you've done it before, like, are we going to have it? Are we going to be able to, right? Yeah. I mean, everything. But then you do, right? It pretty much happens and comes to you. And especially with stand up, I mean, my whole adult life has been doing this. So I should be able to do it. And that was kind of one of the things about COVID was comedians all have this disease think that they think you have to do it every night or you start to lose it. What is the it? The rhythm, the pacing, the uh, connection with the audience? Like what's the, what are the is? It's, uh, yeah, you feel like it was wrong. The theory was wrong. Mm. The observation was wrong. Yeah, it was wrong. Like you, we all took a big break and all came back. And it turns out still funny. <laughs> turns out, you know, 25 years of experience means something. Mm-hmm. So you can take a night off and, and be okay. But then when you, we all just had this universal panic of, it's such a rare thing. You almost question, why does this work? Why do people think I'm funny? It's kind of unexplainable. So it's like being given this gift and, well, if I don't use it, is it going to go away? That's like, I think that's the subconscious fear of it. And then it turned out uh, maybe it wasn't so magical. Maybe it was just a little craft and you can go back to <laughs> go back to, you can put your overalls on and go back to work after a sabbatical, you know? But it is, it's, Funny is an interesting thing because it's you're something somehow talking about observations that we all have, but we don't know how to articulate. And there is something funny or absurd about them, but you have mm. the confidence to say, yeah, I'm going to talk about the pen that's connected at the bank or whatever yeah. that I somehow is never long enough to fit, you know, and yeah. do a bit on that. Right. What is it? Does <laughs> have the arrogance to think that people want to listen to that. Well, but that's how do no confidence. Like, yeah. Where, when is it where you're like, I'm going to talk about that. How does it strike you? Like what, how does it show up and you go, yeah, yeah. I'm going to spend uh, seven minutes on this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. Things just strike you as funny. Things just strike you as for some reason, this is, you know, making me laugh and it just hits you and you're like, okay, I'm going to kind of go with that. But then other times you'll be, so you now you're working on this bit and then there's like a little thing in between that is seems funny and you start going down that path 
And then before you know it, you're talking about jellyfish for four minutes. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's just, uh, it's a strange process, but it is kind of, it's, it is, it has to make you laugh. If it doesn't make you laugh, then the audience has no chance, mm-hmm. right? There's no, I can't be up there thinking. It just truly has to be this childlike, oh, that's ridiculous. Or that makes you angry or that makes you frustrated. Right. You know, it has some, it's conjuring up something that's making you want to talk about it. Because you do have this, um, there is something kind of childlike or like, can you believe it sort of <laughs> tone? How do you, you're on the road and uh, your girls are bigger, a little older now, but yeah. let's say family stuff's happening uh-huh. or uncle, you know, Joe is not, he's sick and mm-hmm. you get the call right before you go on. Is it just about compartmentalizing? Is it, cause it feels when I watch comedians, they're feeling it. I can see the ones that maybe not as much, but it's uh-huh. like, where do you put the you, you, your life when you go out there just to do that act? Are you able to? Yeah, it is it is a strange thing. I remember re- seeing this book called, I think it was just called Comedians. And it was like, it was this pocket, like this um, coffee table book. And it was, uh, had Robin Williams on the cover holding a baby. Did you mm-hmm. ever see it? I think maybe. And the baby's crying. He's making a face. He's got a beard, and and it just highlighted Joan Rivers and Jerry Lewis and Stephen Wright. And mm. it was before I was a comic. I got it, and just seeing it, they would have these great black and white pictures, photographs of them, and then there would be like this column of text of like them, kind of answering questions, and uh, I just and Sam Kinison, and I was just like devouring it. I was really so into it. It was mesmerizing. And a lot of things stuck from that book, but the one with Robin Williams was they were talking about how they, he was shooting his film or, or his TV show. And he had to get to like Idaho for a gig. And he had, you know, been up early and had shot his show and, had to get on this plane and it was weather and it was super bumpy and it was long and arduous. And, and they landed and the guy who was with him, who was reporting was just spent like, okay, well that's it for my day. And then Robin had to get up on stage and perform for an hour or two. Mm -hmm. And he, him remarking like, how did he do that? And I remember thinking, but this is before I was a comedian that that's, it just lingered with me. Like that's your job that you, whatever's happening in your life, whatever turbulence is happening when it's time to do the show, you do the show and that's mm-hmm. your thing that you do. And you do it as it's a joyful place. You actually get something out of it. It helps you escape the turbulence. It helps you have a good time and have all these people applauding and laughing. And that's a great thing. And it's also your duty to the people that have been waiting for six months for you to come. That's, you know, so all that stuff, all that mess from your life really doesn't count. It doesn't really, you still have to go perform. You still have to do your job. You still have to perform. And uh, yeah. And it's true. Like now, like when, and I think it's cool now that I'm even like, it kind of makes the shitty times when you're like, when you, are missing a connecting flight. You're not sure if you're going to make it. And you kind of walk. I always think about that. 
scenario with Robin Williams. And it's like, this is kind of cool that I'm now able to live such a shitty life. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Robin did. (laughs) But, but you, but you also talk about it in your book, but like in a way, I think it's so interesting how we think life is supposed to go a certain way. I don't know where Mm. we got this from, but, and, and you make this a very clear point in the book, which is, yeah, no, it's crazy and it's difficult and there's challenges and it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, we come into the world thinking somehow it's wrong when it's not going right, but that's usually kind of what it is. hundred percent. The times when you are completely at peace with nothing to do and nothing like it's, it doesn't happen. No. I mean, even when I can shed, like if I wake up in the morning and think, okay, what do I have to do today? And it's truly a day where there's nothing like I don't have to do the radio show. I don't have a show. I'm not traveling. I don't have to podcast. No one else is going to be in the house for part of the day. I literally, I can get away with like nothing, which is so rare like that. Okay. So that could be a really good day. And then you hear the dog throwing up (laughs) in the hallway and you're like, oh, it's, yep. there is no, there's like yeah. that, the fantasy that people always have in the media or in songs and stuff of like being on the beach with your toes in the sand and just, what are you talking about? Like it doesn't, yep. it's an illusion. Like you try and piece together like these little moments and they are little moments. That's the thing. It really, you do get little joyful moments, of course, but the idea that it's going to be trouble-free and there's going to be nothing no obligation, no dog throwing up, no wife calling and saying that someone's sick or like there's, it's going to happen all the time. So if you live a life thinking I'm going to try and have a life where I'm not touched by any of the chaos or any of the hardship, if you really want that, you're going to be very unhappy because you're better off just realizing, oh, of course, the dog's throwing up. Yeah, of course. What's next? The toilet will probably overflow. Absolutely. Oh, it's one of these, right. And then some package is going to arrive and you're going to have to assemble it. And there's going to be something very difficult about that. Yeah. And now you're on your phone and you're looking up all the- And then it's three o'clock. A YouTube video of how to put it together. And then that distracts you. Yeah, right. And then it's three o'clock and everyone marches back into the house. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you had a good day off. And you're just like, "Mm -hmm." I know. Yeah. So you're much better off embracing the chaos. A hundred percent. Well, and I think doing it the way you do it, which is a sense of humor. You know, I think ultimately that is, I think especially uh, it's relationships, it's, it's pursuit. If you, if you cannot find your humor during this process and then, and then there's some really funny moments actually. Yeah. And you should like you making yourself laugh in those moments. That's such a key. I've been doing this thing (laughs) recently where I get up in the middle of the night and have to go into the bathroom and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the dark and I'm just, and, you know, my ankles are whatever and my knees are whatever. And I feel like Red Fox from Sanford and Son, like walking across the thing. And I literally am literally, it's three in the morning and I'm by myself. And I'm not kidding, but I'm laughing to myself in a small way, you know, just like, look at this 
bag of bones that's trying to get into the into the bathroom in the middle of the night. And that is pretty funny. You know what I mean? Or you could be, why is my knee not doing it? Yeah. Why am I getting I'm getting up? old now and, like, and this is what it's going to be. Yeah, why am I, I can't even get a good night's sleep. No. no. Like those little moments you won't tell anybody about. Like you should have, like you said, like I'm going through this. This is one of these now. I'm oh, going yeah. to get this over with. It's like, yeah, it's, it's constant chaos. It is. It's constant chaos. It is. And it's, I, I feel like we should teach our kids, hey, listen, it's constant chaos. And when you get these little moments of order, that's all they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when your flight lands early and they have a jetway for you, <laughs> just be like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to get home like six minutes early. You know what I mean? Like it's right, amazing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and if you're six minutes late, you're just ah, the whole day. Oh, you're is crazy. Ruined. Or you do get in thirty minutes early, but they don't have a gate for you. Yeah. So you know, you're hanging Here on the plane, go. and everyone's looking at everyone, and you know, it's all that. Yeah. Why did you want to? Maybe the bigger, the overarching question is: What is it in in you that wants to make people laugh? What is what? What drives you for that? Um, I don't know. It's kind of, I think it probably the answer is that it's changed over time. You know, like when I was, I've said, you know, a lot in this interview, by the way. Uh, when I was very young, I'm sure some of it came from dissolving tension. You know, if my, if my, my father was like an intense guy and you know, you're a kid and like, why is all this serious? So you're trying to make people laugh. It seems to puncture stuff. Uh, but then being at school, just showing off, just knowing that other kids like me more than the other kids, because I just did a dance with a banana. <laughs> and then in seventh grade, that's when I really realized I was going to, be a comedian. You, you did? Yeah. And that summer, all of the, a lot of kids in my town went to camp, went away to camp and I, we stayed home. So I was with older kids just going to local pool and that kind of thing. Like the town pool? Yeah. Yes. So we were just in the, playing in the woods and that with all these older kids and there was uh, some girls and some guys and the guys were kind of, you know, mean and scary and the girls were cute. And if I, I was able to make the girls laugh. Then the guys kind of saw it was funny. I definitely, it was the first time of like using it to fit in. And what, was it calculated? Like calculated. as a kid going I into eighth grade, like it. 13 or 14 being like, oh, I'm going to do this. And this is a real move. I remember. Yeah. hundred oh, percent. Cool. I remember like, this is going, this is working. I'm the funny one. Yeah. I'm, I'm making her laugh. She might like me. <laughs> And he doesn't want to punch me. Right. This is, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. And that was the same time, that's, that year was the same time I learned that comedians were a thing. When I heard of Steve Martin and right. George Carlin, that was the first time I realized, oh, you could be a grown up and do that as a job. And that kind of. Now, did you then, I mean, you mentioned the book about Robin Williams and having that as a kid. Did you sort of do conscious things besides just watch comedy to kind of tune up? Like, did you mess around with it already starting early in high school? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was constantly doing bits at parties. I was 
did, would you go in, like, would you sort of say, oh, there's a big party Friday night. I'm going to have like three little things that I know I might do springboard off into it, or it would just happen. It would just happen. Mm. It would pretty much just happen. And, but then, but then I was doing like little silly puppet things and doing like with my friend, we were making these weird like photo albums and I was digesting everything. I was, I was, I was in training. I was digesting like National Lampoon and mm. SNL and Mad Magazine, Mad Magazine and yeah, yeah. And where else is, where else, Wacky Packs, those stickers that just took like your, like a comet and made it vomit. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay. So anybody that was taking the real world and making it twisted and funny and laughing at it, I just, that's it. I just started, I was absorbing all of that stuff frantically because it was different. It mm-hmm. was, they weren't taking anything serious. It was funny. It was like, this is a different way of looking at everything. And I just started gobbling it up and watching anything, any standups, any whatever, anything that was funny. What did your parent? I mean, your parents saw this. I mean, because parents know their kids early. Yeah. And early on. Yeah. What did they do that sort of enabled you to, to feel like you could pursue it? Well, they gave me, they, we didn't have anyone in the arts in our family. It's a big Italian family, but nobody was in the arts at all. So there was no real roadmap for it. But they did that dumb parent thing of telling you, you could be anything you wanted to be. They did? (laughs) Yeah. You can do whatever you want to do. And my father kind of instilled this crazy amount of confidence and, uh, and I was an athlete and he was my coach a lot of the time. So he, he fostered that, we'll just go do it kind of attitude. And my mother was always doing voices and she was imitating everybody in our life. And she was, came from my grandfather and they were all like storytellers and f- they were funny. So it kind of mixed all of that together. And it had to be very early. I remember doing like imitating Gilda Radner in like parties for them, <laughs> you know? So I was probably like seven mm. and doing, you know, Rosanna Dana. I was going to ask you if it's Rosanna. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was, an, that was an easy one to do. And so, yeah, they knew they had a weirdo on their hands. I'm sure. But, but they, you're, you're a weird to me, you're such an unusual mix because you're like, you represent kind of in a special way, the every guy, mm. right. You don't seem like you're, you, you seem like the, a good guy, a nice guy, but yeah. yet with this, cre- with this kind of really deep creative edge, <laughs> yeah. which you, you know, usually people think that's for another group. Mm-hmm. Like I can see you being a parent and a husband, yeah. but then you have this other side. So I, th- I think it, yeah, it, it's not, I don't, I, well, I, I like all is, regular stuff. Like I really do like, but that's what I mean. You, you take this interesting spin on things that all of us can go. Oh yeah. 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 I like living that life. I like, I like being, I like making dinner, being home and, you know, getting into everybody's stories and. But you have a real life. A real life. So how do you, how do you balance that? Because a lot of people in pursuit of you're on the road. I mean, you're both, the girls are out now, right? Almost. Yeah. So you're almost. Yeah. Next September. Right. How do you, how do you feel about that? Mixed. Because 
What do you mean? I'm, it's mixed. Like the first one goes and it's, wait, what? Mm. We didn't, no one prepped you for this. Like they're just going to leave. I mean, this whole company that we're running <laughs> is built for them. Yeah. We, this is very little about us. This is really primarily about them. This town we live in, these pets we have. I say in my act now, like, I don't even have my own friends. All my friends are your friend's parents. And now you're going to go? <laughs> like, I should go. <laughs> so it was very, that first, that first breaking of the, of the, of the unit yeah. was like, everything shook. And it was like, just sad. And you're just crying and. You know, driving away from school. Like, oh, what's happening? And she's been gone for a couple of years yeah. and everything's cool. And we have this cool relationship with her and she's not really coming back, but we see her a bunch. And and now the second one's getting ready to go. And that's going to have its own demarcation because we only have two. So that's going to be like, okay, now we're really back to the beginning, which is sad like because it's you know this was fun this this part is really fun but it's kind of like it's maybe time also like yeah. they have to go do stuff they're tired of being asked questions and like this morning i was like please just take half of the shoes downstairs just take half of them she just drops everything off her room's immaculate and the hallway is filled with clothes and sneakers and and I and I can't even I'm not her I'm not her boss anymore. This is a grown up, mm -hmm. so I can't. It's difficult to just say, pick all your crap up and get it downstairs. Yeah, what do you, how do you deal with? I have the same thing. How do you deal with that? I just have given up. Yeah, <laughs> I've just given up. What about I'm your biding wife? time. I've got four more months. Yeah, yeah, you're just like, oh, she'll be out of here. I got four more months, so now I'm negotiating. I'm like. <laughs> Well, you just take like half of it like down. When you and get now, a chance and it's easy yeah. for you and you don't mind. Right. Would you just take a few? Is yeah. It I know you've had a rough day, but <laughs> could you take some of this or bring some of the dishes from your room back upstairs? Could you do that? <laughs> we had the, the, uh, the housekeeper came up the other day. She comes once a week and she came up with a arms full of glasses, bowls, popcorn wrappers, of stuff from her room, just from her room. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And now my daughter's playing it where- Oh, because she's leaving? I said, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, I was looking on the Nest camera to see if our cat was alive, if maybe he was walking up and down the street. And all I see are Postmates guys early in the morning dropping off one Starbucks at the door <laughs> before she goes to school. And she, she's working it. She's like, I know. And you only have so much more time to watch me do that. <laughs> so I've given up. I clean the kitchen. I clean all of it. Yeah. I'm in there doing most of the stuff anyway. So I walk in where before, like if it was a year ago and there was crap everywhere. And I mean, the life she's living. I got good luck to whatever roommate she runs into. She'll make granola with milk and the, and the blueberries and, and toast and the butter and get up and walk out. Like you leaving a restaurant. <laughs> like they have a staff that, right. Yeah. They do. <laughs> does this. They have people for that. Yeah. And I would be so angry. I used to be so angry. Like 
clean this up. I would take a picture of it, send it to her at school. Come on, what are you doing? I do that too. Yeah. I take pictures and send a text and they're sitting in the middle of math class. I'm a crazy person. No, you're not. And I know it. Like when I'm doing it, I'm like, yeah, I don't even care. I'm crazy. It's not going to do shit. She's watching her phone anyway. Time, you know, yeah, she's in math, but I know she's looking on her phone. And then it's like, why are you sending me this? Yeah. You know, and I'm like. Because you're gross. And how many times can you talk about? See, I think this is really important because <laughs> it's everywhere and it's all of us. I heard, I yeah. heard, uh, I have a, my middle daughter has a friend and they're young adults in their young twenties. And, and the friend was saying how her little brother, who's, you know, 16 or whatever is yeah. so much worse and uh-huh. spoiled by the mother. <laughs> and she's whispering this and I go, yeah, no, I think it's that whole group. Like you saw, you saw, you see my windy road. Yeah. I have like a bagel show up. Like you talk about. Oh, really? But it's not like I don't have bagels in my fridge. I know you think we don't eat bread around here, Tom Papa, but we have bread. You do. Yeah, because my thing is I'm not keeping anything off yeah. limits. Who doesn't love a great bagel? I went by like yeah. Papa ba- Bagels or what's it called? Papa Bagels? Yeah. Or uh, Pops Bagels. Sorry. Okay. Don't get infringement. Yeah. Pops Bagels. There's one in Brentwood. I was driving by. I thought, you know what? The people in my house would enjoy Pops Bagels. Yeah. I'll get a couple. Uh-huh. And uh, so we have bagels here. All, All you have right. to do is come Good. down. You get one of those, you know, ridgy knives. Yeah, yeah. And you cut them and you throw them in the toaster. <laughs> oh, I, I even think I have cream cheese here. <laughs> no, no. I have a guy that shows up outside. Oh. So just know. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. And it really, it it's literally the same. So it's when I see someone whose kids have just left, mm-hmm. I'm on them in my case study around the country. And I, you know, I, I find them yeah. on the road. <laughs> and I ask them questions because I know with very slight differences, it's, I'm going, I'm about to go exactly, go through exactly what they just went through. A hundred percent. When I was just in chapel at school, it's like the end of high school. It's like the end of the, every one of those parents is going through the same exact thing. And guess what? They're not the first class to graduate. That school's been there for 50 years. And every year there are parents sitting there with their seniors crying at the video of the picture of their kid in kindergarten. All the same. Yeah. And then at the end, when they leave, some of those couples can't talk to each other and break up and others start to travel and others it rekindles what they had before. Take, take, take note of all of it. Look in the brochure and see the options you have coming up because you're going to be one of those. It's not going to be that different from, from the rest of them. No. And no. And I think it's, it's an interesting thing. Does your older daughter like come home for the holidays and then like make a mess and do all that? And you're like, oh wait, but you moved out, but you're back. Have, do you ever go, have you gone through that one yet? Yeah. 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 It's the hardest part is that you, I, I you have no authority and they come home and they just want to go out and not come home till four. And it's like, well, I know technically I shouldn't be telling you like what to do, but now we're roommates. And as roommates, I have to, do the show at nine in the morning. Mm. I can't be up till four in the morning worrying. worrying where you are. So as a good roommate, I won't, how about this? You come home at a reasonable hour and I won't wake you up at seven. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? You have, just have to negotiate as, as grownups. But according to the brochure, yeah, the people who seem the happiest are the 
parents who lay off at that stage. It's that you, you're there for advice, but you also are fun to be around. Yeah. We want to be with people who are fun to be around. And And you're fun. And if you're not, well, sometimes, but if you're not, they're not going to come around as much. So you got to kind of shift a little bit, which I'm not a fan of uh, for the first 18, 19 years of being their friend. But then after that. But I feel like this is like now, like she was studying, my older one was studying in Paris last semester. And we went to visit her. And this kid that we made 20 years ago is now leading me around this city I don't know and speaking the language that I can't speak and getting me onto the train as I'm fumbling and can't see. So it's like- Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. It's really disorienting when it first starts happening because you're like, wait a second, wait a second. And then when you can (laughs) fully embrace it, you're like, what a what a special opportunity mm-hmm. to be in this other and then it yeah. and then it's it's an interesting thing to where it also makes you feel uh like wait a second am i becoming out of touch and like you said you know i'm looking for my 1.0s cuz i can't see the thing can you read that label <laughs> yeah. for me yeah um it's this magic of still in pursuit yeah. yourself you're mm-hmm. traveling you're writing new books you're doing all kinds of things but then also allowing this person in your life to teach you new things. Yeah. It's a really interesting and um, different position because you can only be in that position once you get to this age and they get to that age. Right, right. It's new territory. So new. And I'm, I'm with you. It's great and it's fun and it's, if you check your ego a little mm. bit, it's cool. But they could be a little nicer about it. Like oh, instead of like, uh, just give me your ticket, I'll do it for you. <laughs> right, exactly, Jeez. exactly. You can't see that. Look how huge that letter is. How did is. you not? <laughs> how could you not see that? I told you that a thousand <laughs> times. Well, there we had a thing the other night where we're getting the house all ready for this graduation. And we have a lot of family coming into town, so it's like time to like all the stuff we've let go. We're doing, you know, like fixing the deck and fixing the getting painting done. Like we're on it. We're changing everything. And <laughs> we're watching TV with like the Yankees on or something. And my daughter's like, oh, that noise. I'm like, it's just a game. She goes, no, that high pitched, you don't hear that high pitched sound coming from the speakers. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And my wife, who I always attack, I, my eyesight's not great, but my hearing I think is on point. <laughs> and they're like both saying, I'm like, not hearing this dog whistle that the whole, everyone can't, they can't <laughs> stand this noise. And I'm just watching the game. Turning it up. Yeah, turning it up. <laughs> well, you know, women hear more octaves than men. They do? Yeah. It's like a baby thing. Yeah. Why don't you hear your husband's that well? <laughs> I, that's my favorite, right? Like you're at a gathering. I'm in a conversation and I do hear your conversation too. And Laird always laughs because he'll say, and Gabby's listening to this conversation right now and to see if I react and I always play like I'm not. Right. I totally hear and I'm like, oh. <laughs> He's like, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll be like, well, we did that like six years ago. And I'm like, eight years ago, you know? <laughs> right. He's like, oh my God, get her away. 
Now, were there, was there any, That's like, such a funny thing from the brochure. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but that's oh, yeah. a very funny thing from the brochure, too, that every married couple, the wife is very specific on, no, it wasn't six years, it was eight years. I'm just telling a story. I'm just trying to make these people, I'm just trying to get through the next hour. Yeah, you're at some bar party eight. you brought me. Right. <laughs> I don't even want to be here. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if like, was there boundaries about, especially once the kids were like older than 10, let's say about what you could do in your act or not regarding, you know, the, the, the girls or the family? Yeah, there's a little bit, a lot of it is self-editing you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to talk about making light of drugs. Yeah. Uh, not that I do drugs, you know, yeah. <laughs> I used to smoke pot, but and I always want to. I always feel like it's like this hot renaissance. A- available I'm, thing. For yeah, you. I'm missing yeah. out on. Like, why don't you? Just does my brain's agree with not you? as you know sharp. Yeah, I'm not. You've got sharp... a lot of work to do, Tom Papa. Yeah, <laughs> a ton of work to do. <laughs> I have. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm putting your superfood in my coffee, and it's, I'm not. I'm no sharper. Are you sure? I think you're pretty sharp. But yeah. did you think that that was the was the T, the THC dulling you a little bit? Yeah. Oh, it was? Yeah, I loved weed for a long time. But did you smoke it? I smoked it. Yeah. See, the burning isn't good for the lungs, I don't think. I didn't care about my lungs so much as <laughs> the brain. A big thing, I, there was a mental note when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I came back home, and one of the high school kids that I used to riff with at parties. Oh, was running circles around me. And so your competitive spirit. And this really was early. Like it. I didn't really smoke weed until college, really okay. like senior year into once, once football was over and that's was the beginning. So this was still early on where weed was still fun. Yeah. Like in the beginning, it's so fun and you're just having <laughs> such a great, you're laughing. It's just, but none of it added is, like to your act. Too. It, it like, added, did you get ideas? I think it stuff? added to my perspective and seeing the world mm. for sure mushrooms, we like all that kind of stuff definitely kicked the doors open and gave me perspective. And it definitely, and some silly stuff came out of it for sure. But, but as far as being present and being in the moment and being able to be funny and I came back and this guy, Chris, he was older than me, but he was the funniest guy, this Irish kind of bullfrog looking guy. And he just was the funniest thing going. And I would try and keep up with him even when I was young and straight. And I came back during college when weed was the thing. Mm -hmm. And I came into a party high and he demolished me. Like just, this wasn't like a roast battle. It was just keeping up with each other. And he was just spitting them out. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) that's funny too. (laughs) And I, I made a quick mental note that weed is... Not good for everything. This is not going to be. So when I, so now fast forward 30 years, I know where my brain is not as elastic as it was. Mm -hmm. It can do some things better, but weeds, yeah, missing out on all the fun. (laughs) But with my kids leaving. Yeah. I do have this feeling. I I keep having this fantasy of just lighting up in the living room. Yeah. Because I'm very careful not to. 
be a drug influence on my children. Yeah. And just the idea. So even now, like at this point, it probably wouldn't mean anything. It's legal, but it came from a different time when it's still like you're hiding it. Yeah. I buy it once in a while and just put it on a shelf and I never touch it. But I have this fantasy of once the kids are gone, just like lighting a joint, like on my couch, like, ah, we did it, you know? But uh, what about like any neurotropics or any like microdosing or anything for your brain? Do you ever try any of that stuff? Do you ever take any supplements for that? This microdosing thing. I don't know. Have you tried it? No. Well, okay. So. I macro dosed. Okay. <laughs> like they're miles away. Yeah. Well, like the idea that the idea that my daughter's friend's mom is right now on a trace of acid. <laughs> but you can just do mushrooms. A carpool is weird. But you can just do mushrooms. You don't have to do like a mm-hmm. something. Okay, so I am a very I grew up in the Caribbean. <laughs> we finally got the sound guy to crack. <laughs> Just it's like, here we go. And it and everyone around me did a lot of drugs and alcohol. So I grew up, I tried a little bit of weed, wasn't for me. Pretty straight. I think I got drunk two times in college, three times with like my team. Right. I uh, lived in New York City, never partied, right. didn't drink drugs, no. Yeah. Haven't tried acid, haven't tried Coke, haven't tried any of that stuff. However, this is why you still look like a bright <laughs> human being. Well, okay, but let me, I'm going to share this with you. So when I turned, I don't know, probably in my fifties and I was, had read Michael Pollan's book, uh-huh. um, how to change my mind. And I heard other kind of measured approaches yeah. to uh, mushroom microdosing. Uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to have an open mind. And simultaneously, I was like, I wasn't remembering things. There was just, you know, as you are in a certain time in your life, there's so many details and stress and yeah. kids and schedules and work and whatever. So I, I tried and measured uh-huh. and, um, you know, a couple times a week, a couple times a month, I did it as a cycle. And I, uh-huh. I, it was, I, it worked very well. It did. I felt like my brain got soft instead of hard. Uh-huh. I could recall words, uh-huh. things like that. So anyway, but it's just. Were like, you high? No, not at all. No, not no. at all. You don't feel it. No, you don't go like, oh, it's well, so the clouds my- are so puffy. Right. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's people who want to be like that. Yeah. You know, me, I'm like, it's a tool and I want to use it to yeah. perform better. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, so exactly. I go the other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you can tell me, it's like, you should do this because it'll make you perform better. Great. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. you should do this because it'll make you feel good. Doesn't interest me as much. Right. So no, not stony at all. Interesting. And they have companies that are highly measured. But anyway, but yeah, he, no, he, I'm interested in it. I mean, look, I'm interested in all that stuff. Or even neuro, some kind of neurotropic to support cognitive function is for what you do would be interesting. What's a neurotropic? Like there's just certain compounds um, that you can take that are for brain function. Mm-hmm. And uh, that category is neurotropics. Okay. And they have some really good um, companies I don't work with, like yeah. Qualia Mind. We can talk about it. Okay. That's a good one though. Yeah. I like them. I'm up on that or up for, for that. Yeah. Um, I have a bag of mushrooms hidden in the house. You do? Do, do those ever go bad? Take. Yeah, I'd be afraid Yeah, to. I think they're probably they bad. They go bad? Yeah. yeah. They probably could be revived, but they've <laughs> been like, in there for you years. like, you put them in your mouth? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm alive. Yeah. I don't, I mean, also with the kids leaving, like just the idea of like the day's over and just even to take a hit. Sounds like a nice thing, but I'm I'm still in the mode of I could get a call saying come pick me up. Yeah. So you can't, th- it's no, just been off. No, the t- it's it's off off the, off the table. That's right. 
So yeah. until that freedom. Did the family have a pact? Like, let's say one of the girls is going through a breakup or as we do when we're in marriages, long relationships, you have, you go through things. Mm-hmm. What, as a comedian, was that fodder that you were allowed or was that like, you know, there's an interesting thing where they, let's say you and I are in a same family and we go through things. It's like, I have my truth and story. Yeah. But simultaneously, if I'm choosing to share it, I have to protect your truth and story. Yeah. So how does that, how do you do that dance? Uh, you know, I talk a lot about family. So there's definitely times when I'm coming into territory that other people don't want me to talk about, but nothing really heavy. There's nothing really heavy, like any like real deep stuff. Maybe more of that gets punched out in the books. Yeah. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Do you go and show it to whoever it's no, pertinent to? <laughs> I never ask permission. You ask for I forgiveness. Deal, I, just, yeah, I just deal with it at the end. You do? Yeah. And where, who do Because I'm pretty, I, I think that I'm pretty conscious of it. My wife didn't like a couple things uh, recently, which, you know, we've been together for 25 years and there was just recently, and she was a comedian as well. So there was never a problem about material. It was always, always seen as really funny. And, mm-hmm. but at this stage of life, there were things that were more, um, upsetting to her and 90% of it is made up anyway, just cause I have a lot of married couples in the audience and I yeah. know we're all going from the same brochure. So I'll exaggerate whatever this thing is. But for the first time ever, she was, really didn't like certain things, which seemed to me so silly and trivial, but it went on for a long time. And I realized, oh, she's. You mean she kept bringing it up? Yeah. And, and it, it was kind of like this lesson for me because I have nothing but love for this woman. Like there's, this is, this is deep. Like there's no, there's no part of me that thinks we're ever in jeopardy or other people are interested. Like it's just so you can totally actually have all more systems fun. go. So it's yeah. So mm. yeah, but you know, we all go through moments in the relationship. You, I could be feeling that. I could be feeling like, oh, this is we're solid, and she could be feeling, I feel like we're on shaky ground right now. Mm. So for whatever reason, and I, I really felt like if if the if everything in your life is in real life is buttoned up and okay. And she feels loved and as beautiful as the day I met her. And like, if, if all of that is purely taken care of, the jokes won't mean anything. Right. Like it's very easy to laugh at a joke about yourself when you're 30, <laughs> you know, cause you know, you're still smoking hot and <laughs> you're feeling great and you can still see. And you know what I mean? Like, and then when people take shots at you when you're you a little vulnerable, vulnerable, you feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So that was like a shift in, I was a little slow getting up to it. Understanding. Yeah. You know, I, I can understand that in a certain way because um, as a mom and your wife experiences this with daughters, um, one of my daughters will say to me, um, you know, you were so pretty when you were young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right? And, yeah. And I and I remember like the first time something like that yeah. was said. And, and I remember it feeling like, you know, and then I thought to myself, no, from her point of view, 
That makes perfect sense. Sure. And so I'm going to decide right now yeah. that none of those comments uh-huh. are going to ever bother me. Right. Because I have to decide. Yeah. Because let's say I'm, I'm on my heels that day. I'm a yeah. little tired. Maybe I looked in the mirror. I turned, <laughs> on, I, I turned my phone on the other way and I yeah. got a glimpse from below or something, right? Like yeah. just some weird. And then all of a sudden I would be like hurt. Yeah. So right. I, it, there is something interesting when you you're going along and we are changing mm-hmm. and you're just constantly making peace with it. Yeah. And having your sense of humor about it. Yeah. Um, and also realizing that little shit's going to be, you know, 50, 60, 70 <laughs> and you know, they're going to get it yeah, too. You, you just know what wait. I, mean? <laughs> I may be dead, yeah. but you're going to get it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> You'll be a bag of bones yeah, one day. Wait till you see. Um, so I think I think there is something to be said for recognizing what's happening, and maybe for a yeah. female, we're a little more sensitive yeah. about certain things. Yeah, because there's a real disconnect. Like there was a line or two that really bothered her, which I didn't even think was even on the part of the problem that she was talking about, and it ended up being this line. I'm like that line. I only do that. That's it's purely just rhythm and but but but. There's like no emotional. I mean, it's just that's just a filler, honey. Yeah, it's just a filler. <laughs> but it hit her, mm. and you know these are heady days. You know these are times like the kids are leaving, and you know there's lots of stuff, and we're yeah. getting older. Like so, I'm definitely. It was really difficult. It was not easy to be like, I have to change this for what? No, my old my my thing was that's not what it means. So I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, It's not really the way to go through it. That's it, the way that it went for years because and she would see it or whatever. But uh, that's not what it means. Insert. Well, that means it, it does mean this to me. Mm. Okay. Are you a good enough writer that you can get around that and just take it? Like how, how yeah. great is this thing? And. You know, I left one in in the special and uh, I paid for it, you but did. I think we're good now. How many days did you pay for it? Um, of outwardly, probably five, mm. but um, oh, you felt simmering a- probably for a year. <laughs> I felt the vibration. <laughs> I felt the vibration. Yeah. Yeah. And she was right. I should be more sensitive about it. I, But it was a change to my defense, in my defense. Yeah. It was a change. It was, I didn't realize what she was really saying because she expressed those things before, but they wouldn't have the the impact that it has now. The one who's more sensitive of everything is my father, (laughs) who's just hilarious. Like if you met him. Really? Yeah. He's like this guy from Jersey who's built like a brick house. He's got tattoos and he rides motorcycles. Was he in the Navy or something? No, but he he could have beaten up everyone in the Navy and uh, he rode motorcycles and he's just like a, he's a great guy, but he's very, you know, like, okay, this guy is nothing's anything you throw at this guy's bouncing off of, he's got a belly and bald head and blah. And he's he gets like, his feelings hurt. Why'd you say that about me with my food on my shirt? <laughs> Everyone's laughing. And we were at the Getty, like they came to visit and someone recognized me. Like, I love your comedy. My father, I hear my father, 
And we get on the tram, you know, to go up the yeah, thing. And he's still lingering. He's going, yeah. And he just keeps taking shots at his parents. <laughs> he's talking about how old we are. <laughs> isn't that interesting? Isn't it funny? Yeah. The toughest guy is like the most sensitive. Oh, yeah. In our house, too. Yeah. There it is, the heart of the family, buddy. <laughs> Seriously. I saw. They just maybe go part and parcel. I saw an interesting thing that may resonate with you for that. What? Is that on Instagram. I get, you know, you always get a gem once in a while. And a guy said that uh, in a marriage, I think, you don't realize how um, men are incredibly sensitive. And they're very sensitive. And their main objective is to uh, provide for you and make sure that they're protecting you and they're providing for you. So when you criticize that and you say that they did this wrong, mm -hmm. you, you, you know, I'm expanding on it. Like if you were to say, you bought the wrong thing at the store when you thought when you went to go do it, or you yeah. picked the wrong paint for the deck, or you uh, you did this. He did this thing, but then you criticize what he did. You're hurting his feelings essentially because that is his main objective, yeah. and you're saying that he wasn't good enough. Yeah, which really kind of that was clear to me. Like why my father will get very sensitive. Well, well, I'll get sensitive. You know. And you, you find that you'll get that sometimes yeah. with your girls? Because yeah, you you're get, surrounded by women. Yeah. And I find, I could see, because we have three daughters. Yeah. So Laird is surrounded by women. What I see too is when when a guy will say, okay, I'm my family. I'm dedicated to my family. Yeah. They don't have that for so many people. So when that group criticizes him, yeah. he really gets his feelings hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And it's surprising. It surprises you. Like you don't think that that would bother you yeah you know the why is the why'd you put this here why not <laughs> you know yeah you, yeah why would that bother you right and then you, it does yeah it does yeah. it does bother me. when i heard that saying that and i know it's not a new concept you know you know male fragility and all that kind of stuff but it didn't really make sense until i saw it yeah he's the the whole objective is to do for you yeah and that's where I. That's where I show up. That's, that's where I, I show up. That's yeah. who I am. That's what I do. Yeah. What do you mean? I'm not doing it in a great way, you know? So, yeah, you know, those little critiques. It is a dance of, of learning. Is there, so I'm, I'm still so curious. I mean, obviously your wife is an understanding person. It's a huge opportunity to be able to do this job and you're very successful at it. It's unique, but still trying to, to balance it. How do, what were the ways or the or techniques, or you have secrets about how because you have balanced your life mm -hmm. yeah. pretty well. How did you do that? Yeah, and we did it. You know, like now they're eighteen, yeah, and older, and we've gotten like we did that, yeah, successfully. And you Everyone's happy. Yeah, I was on the road, but I always came home. Yeah, I was never like. <laughs> Really, like I wasn't gone for weeks at a time. So that, was it that like was a Thursday rare. through Sunday kind of thing? Yeah, at its you, most. Okay. And then special shoots maybe were those extended periods? Right, Like exactly. a movie or a yeah, show? Yeah, where you had longer periods. But for the most part, I, I would look around at these dads at our school and they were all traveling. Mm. And they were traveling. And then when they came home, they were going into the office till eight at night. And I was home and laying around well you're writing <laughs> yeah but, but i was there yeah so it was, so it didn't like the road part of it the travel part of it i'm sure my wife would dispute this that that part for me 
wasn't like, that was probably our biggest obstacle, but it wasn't, it wasn't fatal. Right. Compared to like what I saw these other people doing. It was, it seemed like manageable. Manageable. But anyway, we got these tapes back. Uh, I found this little bag of, I've always been searching for these little mini cassette tapes mm-hmm. from the Sony mm-hmm. one hand thing from the beginning of the whole project of our family. And I just got them back. They got them digitized. They're on a thumb drive now that I'm terrified I'm going to lose, uh, but I still have the tapes. So anyway, I, we got those back and it is from day one. It's she's pregnant. Mm. The first kid, the first kid steps, the second giant belly in the like it's all all of that stuff up until the kids are probably five five like from this batch probably five and the other one's three or maybe six and four something like that but i bring it up because the coolest part is answer to your question how'd you get through it we're just sweet we're just like laughing and we didn't lose that we still to this day are like, nothing's going to be that serious. It's like, my mom's got to go in the hospital. All right. But we're always subtly joking and enjoying. Mm-hmm. Like there's moments of heaviness, of course, yeah. but you could see our rhythm back then is the same as it is now. And it's really this kind of gentleness. Yeah. Yeah. It really worked. I feel like, you know, you come into relationships, we don't know, we have instincts about why we're drawn to this person. And then sometimes the reasons why reveal themselves over really long periods of time. Yeah. That you couldn't have possibly known Mm -mm. when you were however old. And then all of a sudden you're, you know them so much deeper and you think, I didn't even know this trait about you, but it is such a, it's something I admire or- I appreciate so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. And seeing it in these tapes, it's like, oh, she's still doing that now. Mm. Like it's giving you perspective. It's like, yeah. oh, that's, that's what she does. She's the one with the cat, <laughs> <laughs> like taking care of the, like beyond everybody else. Yeah. And yeah, it really is. Like you said, like it, if I hadn't like seen these videos of it, I don't think I would have had, I would have been able to track it. Like now I I would kind of assume like we're still funny with each other and we don't really fight that much. And, but then to see like documentation (laughs) of the stuff that you hardly remember and like, Oh no, look at us. We're in this apartment in New York filled with garbage and it's this big and everything and a, a baby and there's a cat running through and there's like, and we're joyful. Yeah. Like, it's pretty good. You know, it's funny when I when you hear a word like joyful, you think, are people born joyful? Do you work at joyful? Like, yeah. do you, I mean, maybe you have a tendency to see the funny of things, but yeah. is there something you do where you have moments where you're going, oh no, I'm going to decide to be. Yeah. Do you decide? I do decide. I definitely decide. But I also think that, genetically there's a genetic proclivity towards joy mm-hmm. like i don't th- my being able to turn it on for a while i had to get in my head oh not everyone can do that there are people you know when you 
you tell people, just suck it up and do it. Just turn it around. Some, some people don't have that. Yeah. I luckily do. I, I do have that. I remember being in young and, and there was, you know, nature and nurture. And I had came from these positive grandparents, grandmothers mm-hmm. who were all about, you, you don't get to complain. Right. <laughs> There's no complaining. Get on it. You're How blessed are you? You are so lucky. How lucky are we that we are here right now in this mm-hmm. moment, on this day? Look at this. This is incredible. How What a gift. Like that was hammered in all the time. So as a young, like I remember in high school waking up and feeling shitty, like I don't want to go to school yeah. and being like, no, we're going to, we're going to go. We're going to go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's turn it around. And it doesn't work all the time, but it helps. It helps. And yeah. Sometimes that inertia, that forward motion, there's some great science around like your brain and the brain receptors Mm -hmm. where if you do sort of that, or you think, oh, I'm so fortunate and it's so pretty out and oh, look at that girl in my class or whatever, that the neuroreceptors looking for good information uh-huh. become longer and stronger. Oh. So you, when you move into a situation, it's looking for good news. Yeah. And conversely, we all know people who are like, you go to a beautiful restaurant, they're like, yeah, but the meat was cold. You know, it's like <laughs> those neuroreceptors are looking for bad. Right. Is there a draft in here? You know, <laughs> right. it's like that. Um, it's actually a weird yeah. practice. There was a gentleman um, who studied happiness mm-hmm. um, who talks about it. Sean, I believe is his first name. I wish I could remember his last. But anyway, uh-huh. to your point, if one of your girls came to you and said, I want to do this job in the arts or something that isn't conventional, yeah. um, what would you be surprised and and how would you support them on the, the quest of doing something not middle of the road? Yeah, I, I, I always kind of have my eyes open for that. And first of all, I would say do it. If, but there's some parameters. There's like, are you really passionate about this? Mm. And do you have some ability at this? Is this something in the realm of what you think you'll be good at? Is there potential for you to be great at that thing? Yeah. You know, because there's, it's one thing to be, you know, passionate about something. And then, but if you have n- really no skills towards it, there's a little bit of that. I feel like yeah. you have to have some aptitude or there'll be some reason why we're, now going to be doing whatever. But as far as unconventional or what have you, I think the world has shown us that there's no safe route. No. Zero. I know so many people that, well, you're crazy. You're going to go be a comedian and go, you're not going to have a job and every week is different and blah, blah, blah. Oh, ah. Mm-hmm. and I'm going to go to this corporation and they're going to pay me and I'm going to rise up and I'm going to get my retirement and they're all laid off yeah. <laughs> or the offices aren't open anymore or that industry just imploded. Yeah. Like what could be, what could have been safer back in the day to like go to work for Kodak? Yeah. The biggest yeah. behemoth. I mean, that is, he got a job there and he's, his, his life is set. Perfect. No worries. And then the world changed and I've seen that happen in so many regards in so many different ways that yeah, unconventional is, is fine. And if they stay poor for a long time, 
they'll come around for longer. For dinners especially, right? <laughs> yeah. They'll, <laughs> how are they going to go on vacation on their own? Right. They're going to have to be forced <laughs> to hang out with you. I, heard, I read yeah. something really kind of interesting that we hang out with our kids for 18 years. Uh-huh. And do you know how long we hang out with them after that for the rest of our lives on average? Uh-huh. 19. 19. One, one year. One like year. If you take all the days on average oh. of what people spend with their kids oh, after. right, right, right. One year. One year. Crazy, right? Yeah. That's part of my philosophy of life, though, is don't do the math. I love that. Don't do the math. Don't add up how many times you're going to visit your parents before they die. <laughs> don't add up how many times your kids are going to come around. Yeah, just live. Don't add up how many years you have on this planet. Don't add, don't do the math. You know, we're doing that now because we're at this milestone. Mm. Oh, and we see these videos. Oh my God, that was so long ago. And that was 20 years. So now you take that one so fast. So now we're at this age. What do we have? 20 to that. Why we're going to be dead soon. <laughs> like that happened so fast. And they say this goes faster. Don't do the math. Mm. Make some toast. <laughs> And hang out and be like, this is this is a weird trip we're on. Yeah. Doing the math is, except when you get on the scale. The scale, <laughs> I believe that the scale is the only math you really should, and maybe your blood pressure. Do you pay, okay, so do you pay attention? I mean, I, I know you you joke, like you're so, you bring me the beautiful bread, which, mm-hmm. you know, I thoroughly will enjoy. And you're like, I don't know how much bread they eat around here. And I, I do love <laughs> the bit about like, oh, you're going to be half a pound lighter. No one's going to notice. Yeah. And you're not eating bread. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but are you, is there, an, is there sort of a practice in place? Because you look healthy. Yeah. I work at it. What, what's your, what's your- I have a 201 week streak on my Peloton. <laughs> oh, you do? Are you competitive? I am Are you trying myself. to be like Jane Chicago 74 or like- Well, no, I, because I get up late compared okay. to the East Coast. So yep. I'm never in classes with other people. Okay. So, uh, but I do try and finish in the top one third. If there's 20,000 people, 21,000 people, I got to be below, you know, seven- I, got, I, I am competitive that way. Like I want to be in the top third at least. Okay. Do you have instructors? Yeah, I've got like? a couple that I really love. Okay. I just had uh, Emma Lovewell was just on my uh, podcast and uh, Matt Wilpers is like my main guy. He's okay. just like a gym guy and he's not hot. I, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's too much to be trying to work out and there's this hot <laughs> woman like, like she's bent over her bike and winking her boobs at the camera. Face. Yeah. Like, I just like, harder I, and faster. Not, and like, yeah, not now, not, <laughs> maybe later. Not now. Matt Wilper is just a straight down the he's bald a guy. white guy. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, just all like a gym coach. Yeah. He's, he's my guy. So 200 weeks okay. on that. And, um, do you lift any weights? So I try, yeah, but, but oh, I've just got back into that, it. Huh? Now I like, you know, I used to like that so much, but my, my whole, driving force is, uh, you know, I look how I look. I'm not going to, I could drop 10 pounds and look slightly different. For me, the only metric at this age or for well, pretty much a long time, because my parents, my family had bad hearts, not massively bad, but, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to suss it out because they were also, a, the people that had bad hearts were living on bacon and scrapple and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. So I don't and high know. High stress, yelling yeah, I, at the across the table. Yeah, I don't know if we're built for our hearts to explode. Yeah. <laughs> or they were just living like animals in New Jersey. So 
So you're just taking care of the heart. I have a heart thing. Yeah. And I go for my physicals and I, which I have coming up. I'm trying to get in shape for my physical on the 19th. And what about food? Like, what about when you're on the road? That's pretty tough to deal with the food and then you work late and then you're up because you're jazzed because you got adrenaline. How do you, is there, do you have sort of rules for home and rules for the road and are they different? Uh, Yeah, I can dial it in. Well, it depends. I am pretty strict about it. Like I really do keep an eye on what I eat. Right. Yeah. Um, Like my my decadence, like my really going nuts on the road is like, I got a bag of Cheez-Its at the Hudson News. You know, yep. that's my going crazy, going nuts. I don't really, at this age, so disheartening. Like I lost, recently lost like eight pounds, just really dialing it in and working the, out more. The food and ramping Mostly up. the food. Yeah, yeah. Because the exercise has always been around the same. It's really how much you put in. Mm-hmm. And man, one cheat day and like it all comes back. Like there, there's no room for, it's not like I get, you can't. There's, you don't arrive. You, you're literally not allowed to eat. You don't arrive there either. Like for me. Right. For Laird, you don't arrive. It's a constant practice. And then you just- you know, you're, you're tighter and looser at yeah. certain times. Yeah. But Do the you, amount, like you can't get away with diet and fast and eat sauerkraut raw <laughs> and doing all the things. Then you eat one cookie and you're on that scale. And it's like, geez, yeah. come on. Yeah. So you just try to eat real food. I'm tr- my new, my thing is just really all the process, try and keep the processed out as yeah. much as possible. Just eat real food. And other than the bread, you know, trying to not eat a ton of carbs, which is, I love, um, I cook Italian food. Yeah. And uh, so we're trying not to do that as often, just trying to keep that metric. Yeah. But really it seems like, you just can't the, the, way, the only way to lose is to not eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone attacking uh, Gwyneth on this. Oh, for the juicing thing? Yeah. Oh, Do yeah. you see that with the bone broth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're starving yourself. You're, but I get it. Yeah. It's like, how can you stay thin unless you are eating bone broth and maybe a soup? Yeah. And then trying to go to sleep hungry. <laughs> like, yeah, like she's not don't wrong. Eat eight hours before you go to sleep. <laughs> right. Or 12, maybe. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I think, listen, hard. I think it's also kind of what are your priorities in life? And if it's about energy and feeling good, then eat accordingly. If, right. if being a size two is the thing, that's yeah. always going to be a, you know, hard yeah. juggle. I, um, you, you know, you said you, you were an athlete in high school. And, yeah. and so the training, do you ever try anything new? Like go, I'm going to go to a kickboxing class or do you have anything new? Or I don't like classes. I don't like being around right. a lot of people. I liked yoga class. I did yoga for a long time. You did. And I felt, and I just had more free time. Maybe I'll be able to go back, like to do an hour and a half. I don't know where that was, where that time, I don't know well, where you I have had two, that time. You have two shows. Well, two podcasts. I mean, yeah. two shows. Yeah. You do stand up and you just finished a book, your third yeah. book. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, no, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah a lot. I'm definitely busier now yeah. than I was then. Do but you, I loved going to that yoga. Like yoga was great. I just Would you ever go with your wife? 
Yeah. Oh, great. She gets very competitive. She does. I'd have to have, be on the other side of the room. Well, she'd be like, I look at my chest is closer to the floor than yours. Yeah, she's very competitive. She likes to beat everybody. She's been really kicking ass. She gets been getting up at five. She's teaching right now. And her and this other teacher get up at five and go to Pilates before school. Really? And I thought that would kind of burn out. But They're the whole hard. year, the whole year, she's been doing it. That's great. Yeah. I, you know, the, the weight thing and someone put a, um, Adam, I think is the name of the company. They put this gym thing that folds up in my garage oh, uh-huh. as like a pull-up bar. Can't do one pull-up, but yeah, they're hard. a pull-up bar and uh, weights. And and every once in a while, just yesterday, I was, I couldn't get that, their app to work. So I put the Peloton app, just a 30-minute strength workout. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this will be cute. You saw it today? Uh-huh. You sore today? So sore. <laughs> I couldn't get through. I'm like resting. Oh, yeah. I'm like, they're like I'm doing squats and then doing the next thing and the next thing. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm I'm laying on my back like, I'm I'm coming, you know, and then I'm doing the things. And uh, it really make it really, you check yourself. Like I'm walking around. I'm on a 200-week streak on the Peloton. I'm in good shape. And then you just have to anything 10 different. burpees listen take me to a yoga class i'm sore for three days yeah. and i work out pretty hard yeah. ask justin i do a lot yeah. of weird stuff yeah anything different but you should start right. hanging on your bar even if you can't do pull-ups hang yeah hang 30 seconds hang a minute just add that once in a while when you walk by just hang there it's yeah. really good grip strength mm-hmm. is really important yeah the youtube videos that i've been looking at of how i have this funny thing going on my radio show that <laughs> Uh, it's between me and my producer. Who's going to be able to do one push up by the end of the uh, one pull up by uh, the end of the summer? Yeah. Oh, so you're getting all the reconnaissance. So, yeah. 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 But just one of just hang. Just hang for a while. Hang you think and you- then lower the bar and do um, pull ups. Yeah, yeah. You like can to your like chest. when you do a chest one too. You can yeah. hang from there and pull yourself up from the floor too. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. They got a chair. The if I was 15 yeah. pounds lighter, yeah. that pull up would be. 15 times easier. <laughs> yeah. I'm pulling this fat guy, 50-year-old guy up on the thing. You know, it's hard too. Like I have long arms. Right. Yeah. And so it's all, there's all kinds of excuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a ton, but it's nothing more depressing where you're like, today's the day. Yeah. You can't do one. <laughs> well, why don't you do this grip first? Can yeah, you? Yeah, that's easier. Okay. I know. Right? Well, that's the, the point. The end of last summer, I was able you to do, do a- three of those. Okay. See? But I want to do like the real one. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. Are cats really assholes? Like that whole, this whole part of your book. I, I mean, there's Frank. Yeah. Who's great. What's your wife is the cat lady. My wife is an animal. She's snow white. <laughs> when I'm home, the radio show's done and I'm writing I'm just around the house. The dog is, the pug is laying underneath my desk asleep. The other one's in the sun by the window and we're like that for five hours and the cat rolls through and as soon as my wife comes home it's animal time they all jump on her her shoulders they want to play it's chaos the dogs are barking in the house they're guarding it for her like it's a whole different experience yeah my wife is the animal she's snow white yeah. Snow White. Are the cats an assholes? No, well, I, I no. We have our cat, one cat is, uh, I'm a little concerned because there was a scare 
There was a coyote. Oh, he was out. He goes out and uh, didn't come back for two days and had a cut on his belly and had to get stitched up. It wasn't an animal. Apparently, like they think he went over a fence or something. He's an outdoor cat. Yeah. You can't stop him. Even in New York, he was climbing on the side of buildings. And uh, he has a little cone on. And I didn't, before I, came to, before I came to see you, I couldn't find him. So I'm hoping he didn't sneak out. With his cone? With his cone. I love to see animals try to go out of a narrow doorway with a cone on. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's mean, but it is funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> so I hope that, I hope he's around when I get home. So you wrote this book and when you put it together and you, and you have the final end product. Mm -hmm. What's your, I know your, your motivation when you do your standup is to make people laugh. And it's, it's sort of like, Hey, I, I feel like I can bring a little levity and joy to the world. Yeah. But if to me, it feels like with a book, it's almost, it's a little different. It is the laughter, but the, I, I also feel like you, you have a theme and a reason. Yeah. What is it that you want people or you're hoping people will will walk away with? That's eh, a good question. I don't, I mean, the theme of it was that thing of we're all living from the same brochure. Mm -hmm. And I, it held, that was like the original idea. And I think it held as a, a collection of essays that kind of, kind of falls on that. I guess the thing with the books is really, I just want them to feel like they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. I want to tell them how to live or, oh. you know, or my way is the way or any of that. You know, I like to pontificate and, <laughs> and, and say that my way really is the right way, yeah. but I'm not They'll trying, figure that I'm out. trying to disguise They'll it. Have to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that thing of that, they're not, alone. I feel like, like I've had people come up recently and say, we were on a cruise and we had your book. And like, I've been signing books at the end of my shows, which was, has been such a cool thing. Like I would never see the crowd, but now that I'm signing and seeing these people come up and they, nothing's better than someone coming up with a copy of the book that they've had. And you and can it's, see it's Yeah. Red. It's been abused. Yeah. Because they've been reading it and it means something to them. And that that kind of that kind of thing that it's a pretty cool thing that I could write this and now without my real involvement, I'm connecting with this person at night when they're or wherever they're reading it for over a period of time for them to then seek me out and be like, we connected. Like it's a very strange mm. thing. It's it's cool. It's a very cool thing, and I think that's what I that's what I try and get out of books. That's why I was always trying to push on my kids. Is you do feel less alone. Like other people have gone through so much, mm -hmm. you know. In yeah, and even going to the other little worlds, mm -hmm. you know, like when you're talking about your grandmas or, you know, just yeah. little things of kind of going on tiny, sharing little parts of different worlds. Yeah. Do you, can you, as a stand-up comedian, it's different than an athlete. You can actually keep getting better and better and better. Yeah. That must be really 
and yeah. motivating. Yes. What what's that? Feels very fortunate that like you can't like yeah, you can keep getting better at this. That's great. Like it it's so it's a what a lucky thing that my craft, the thing that I love is mm. something that I can ride all my years if I pay attention to it and keep working at it. I should be better than than the last time you saw me. And we live in a, a time and an age people are, you know, they see you and they think, well, everybody loves Tom and they, and they, uh, no one ever comes for you or criticizes your work or mm. any of that, but you have a public job. So there are times that people might be frustrated this, that you get to do something. Uh-huh. They're sitting on their couch and they're, t-shirt and they're frustrated is there does it when you ever get sort of criticism because i think for people to understand to do anything you have to be able to have people yeah criticize you or say like oh that's not my thing how do you is that easier now do you roll through that you know it's not that much easier (laughs) because i don't get a lot of it right so oh so when you get one it really barbs you yeah like i always say i don't read when my specials come out on Netflix, it's like, I don't read the comments unless I sense that they're really positive. And then I, I'll spend some time. Yeah. Just not too deep, but I see the little crying, laughing emojis and thank you. And, and that's usually the way it goes. Right. It's very rare when somebody, you know, comes for me and in this last special somebody wasn't even like a good website or it was just a friend of mine had a review from somebody on this and they thing told I, did. you about I didn't it? I didn't know what it was no for her oh and um and I just I was like oh I wonder if I never heard of this guy he was an obscure little site did he ever write about me and he wrote something about that I would be good for like older people. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Cause I hadn't gotten anything but love for it, you know? And I really don't seek it out. So I'm sure there yeah. is more stuff that no, people no. Are, are saying like, you know, he's not funny or whatever. You know, that's, that's fine, but I don't really seek it out. So it has to really kind of find its way to me. Uh, so because that was the only negative thing I saw from the special, from the last one, the what a day special, it kind of lingered with me. And then I went on the road and I was like, wait, still even, all, Oh, beyond. I was like, look at these old people in my audience. <laughs> Are oh, there more? Is there oh. an unusually large amount of old people in the audience? <laughs> I was like, wow. Are they old? Am I old? I don't even wait. There's some young people. And, uh, you know, it, they brought their kids. Yeah. And especially when your kids are taking your phone and be like, dad, I can't, you know, all that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not younger than I was last yeah. year. So it was just like, wait a minute. It kind of lingered with me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't seen a Twitter feed in yeah, eight better. years. Yeah. There's nothing on there. I have my guy post dates on it. And yeah, um, I really, I don't, I tend to not, like we said in the beginning, yeah. Like you have to have your blinders on and just do you, and that's that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Justin, you get one question before we. Wrap Justin this gets up. one. He does because he he's you know. Um. Ooh. 
One question. Um, yeah, June 12th, 93. If you missed the train and didn't make your set, mm. what would you be doing today? The same. Yeah. It, it was happening. Yeah. It was happening. I knew I wanted to be a comedian and then I acted in college and then I got out and I was like, this acting thing's going to be, I got so many other people involved. Mm. I can have my friends come and be on stage in New York city tonight. Like, okay, that's going to happen. And even more, not even more, but equally as important as, as being on that night was making the phone call to get on that night. When I walked into my bedroom away from my girlfriend and made the call and got the date and hung up the phone. Like that was such a, mm. uh, so yeah, if, if I hadn't, I, I would have gone the next possible time. Do you, when you're, when you're done pretty much prepared for a special, do you have a particular person that you g- trust enough that you run stuff by? You know, I just kind of, uh, I just kind of, I don't really explicitly ask. Like the act has been working. Yeah. It should be at a point where, so the act's been getting like a standing ovation every night that I'm out on the road. And I know they've told me that it's good enough. Okay. But then you start getting into the micro of it. And very infrequently will I ask, do you think, what about this? Mm. You know? I think I did on this one with my wife about some part of it, but I just kind of keep my eyes and ears open. Like, you think this one is okay? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is that one, whatever, you know, a little bit, yeah. just like with, you know, my wife or like my director or someone kind of close or my opening acts when I'm getting like, when I'm getting close. Yeah, on the road. Yeah. On it and they see it from night to night. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this is, uh, is this okay to do this? I had one, I had one, I forget what it was. Something that was a little more blue. Than, mm-hmm. And I remember having a discussion. I forget what it, I think I, I don't know if I kept it in or pulled it out, but I remember asking my opening act, Erica, if, uh, which she thought of it like, is yeah. this, is this in line with, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. With yeah. That'll be your second part of your career. Now the kids are out. You can just get all racy. I know. I always think about that. Be funny. Like the other Tom Papa. Yeah. <laughs> like you're smoke a cigarette and just wear a black suit. <laughs> yeah. And just start getting like really <laughs> crude and <laughs> no. the audience wouldn't let it, let it happen. I tried to be that when I first started, like really? in the comedy cellar. I'd be going up after David Tell, and like I gotta I'm be, I gotta be edgy too. And and the audience was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> like You're they like- could just feel it. They just knew <laughs> this wasn't true. <laughs> so Tom, remind all people all of the places that they can find you. And oh, wait, before yes. did you read this book? Please tell me you did. Do you have the auto? Is there an audio version? Yes, there okay, is. Okay, good. There's an audio book. I sat in a place and. I mean, I never read a book in two days, right? That's like, a I'll, lot. yeah, if I have a book, I'm like carrying it around for a month. Yeah, but then you have to sit in there and like go through it. Yeah, there is an audio book. That's great. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so you can get the more books are found, and then all your shows, the books, the shows, the tour, 
TomPapa.com is usually the tour dates, tour dates, mm-hmm. all that stuff is in there. And then, um, and what days do your podcast come out? Podcast comes out every Tuesday, okay. the breaking bread podcast, mm-hmm. which you were so I nice to be on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And then the tour, the summer is going to be fun. I'm just doing, I'm going to the Montreal comedy festival, oh. which I haven't done in a while. And then, um, doing like the Hamptons and Anaheim and, Delaware, like all these fun outdoor, it feels like a, a sporadic summer thing. New Hampshire. Exciting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then, uh, yeah, so everything goes through that and all the social media is Tom Papa. Well, if we were going to end on one thing, if you wanted to invite people or just remind them of something that feels important to you, I just wanted to open that up to you before we. What do you mean? Well, I feel like you're a person who really wants to invite people towards feeling better Mm -hmm. or joyous. And this book is that reminder of you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And I I just feel like you have dedicated a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And if there was something else I was missing that you wanted to drop off to people before we close the show. What more could I do? I wrote a whole book. I know. Oh, God. Now I got to do more? No, I think actually I'm going to end it with when you said uh, not to not to look at the clock and count the years. Don't do, do the, the math. math. Don't do the math. Don't do the math. Don't do the math. Which is soon going to be don't look in the mirror, which is soon going to be <laughs> don't look at your kids' achievements, which is soon going to be don't go to the doctor. <laughs> You know, you're only one of the only few people I've ever reached out to that I didn't know. Really? Yeah. I'm so glad you did. Because I feel like, and I feel, I'm, I don't think this is unique to me. I feel like we all feel like we know you a little bit. And we really, I really, really appreciate what you do and what you're doing. And I'm, I'm so glad to know you. Likewise. And the podcast aside, and, you know, I hate to say it because it'll jinx it, but I felt this the first time was I really feel like we're friends. Yeah. And I was like, I had all these plans to come by and like bring yeah. my wife by and we we're going to do all this stuff. And then the global pandemic happened. Yeah. So I'm not going to say no. that I'm going to do it, but, but we'll I do try. think about yeah. doing it. And if everything goes okay, maybe we will. Great. And you can say to Fortune, why wouldn't we be friends? Yeah. It's so obvious. Yeah. She has her own friend. Get your own friends. <laughs> Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. Head to the link in the show notes and click gabbyreese.com to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, products, and more. If you have any questions for my guests or even myself, please send them to at gabbyreese on Instagram. If you feel inspired, please hit the follow button, leave a rating and a comment. It not only helps me, it really helps the show grow and reach new listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.